On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about getting the W on Sunday night against the Chiefs and look at the Packers roster as the trade deadline passes. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. Third down and five. Rogers, same side. And this time, it's in the hands of Lazard. Incredible play. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Aaron Rodgers, aging like a fine wine. Let's take a look at Mahomes on the sideline. Man, does the Darius Smith shine. Let's take a look at Mahomes on the sideline. Packers backfield looking for catches like mine, mine, mine. Let's take a look at Mahomes on the sideline. Made no trades, but we'll be fine. Pack it up, Packers podcast. Seven and one, seven and one. Yep, we called it, we called it. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. How we doing, Ryan? So, Josh, you were at Arrowhead for this game. Very jealous because on TV it sounded loud. It sounded rowdy. How was the experience not only in Arrowhead but to actually experience it with a win? What an experience, Arrowhead, and just Kansas City in general. The fans, the stadium. Uh, it, it looks like you're walking into the 1980s when you look at the stadium. You got the Royal Stadium right there and Arrowhead. They both have the old logos. Um, it, it, it was a little trippy because you're in the middle of a field of the in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's just two giant stadiums with a ton of people uh, drinking and partying. Um, but I do have to give a shout out to Lot J, Lot J Tailgate. They treated us nicely. They had a whole setup for us, food, drinks, TVs. They had this They had this one thing that was a pudding shot. Oh, boys, was it dangerous, but it was good. Um, but, man, it was an amazing experience. Easily the loudest stadium I've ever been to. I, I could not believe how loud it was at times, especially when big plays would happen. All of a sudden, your ears would just burst. That came through on the TV, and your seats looked amazing. You were right at the tunnel. Oh, and I didn't know that they only have one main tunnel. Um, so both teams enter through there. So not only did we get to see the Packers multiple times because it was the way tunnel officially, um, but we also got to see the Kansas City Chiefs do their official run on and entrance. And that was just something uh, my my buddy that we went with, Blaine Howard, who we had on the show last week, he got some amazing photos of just the lineup of all the players right in a row. If Patrick Mahomes was there, I mean, it would, it would have been frameable. It was so, it was so close and perfect. Did anyone stand out from a physicality perspective, like anyone just bigger in person than you even imagined? Preston Smith. Holy cow. That (laughs) man. Yeah. He's, he's massive. I mean, he's bigger than some of our offensive linemen. I mean, and Bulaga, he's another guy who's just a massive human. Um, and, and what really surprised me is how small some guys were. Uh, Jair Alexander, I you know, he plays way bigger than he is. Um, even Savage, tiny right now. Uh, who, who is somebody else? Oh, Shepard, who just got cut. He was super tiny, too. Um, but, yeah, Kumaro Kum- was another one who surprised me how big he was. Uh, really? Yeah, he, he looked a lot bigger in person than he does on, on film. Um, but it was super cool. I got to touch almost all the players' hands. <laughs> hey, well, oh, okay. let me tell you, it, <laughs> it safe, was pretty cool. Hey, let's, <laughs> let's edit that in post. That's a, that's, a, that's a good one right there. <laughs> the, the coolest moment was when they were running out 
Uh, they're all lined up and Danny V was in front and all I said to him, I was like, Hey, Danny V. And he just flexes super big for me. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Overall amazing experience. If anyone ever has a chance to get to Kansas city to see a game, I highly recommend it and go party in lot J beforehand. Nothing about barbecue. I, I ate some barbecue. We had some weird chicken. I, I wasn't really mm. sure what I was eating. We were pretty, <laughs> We were pretty far in at that point in time. We were uh, we were a bottle of Woodford in by that time. So Josh, uh, you had a squirrel. You were eating squirrel. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> but it was delicious, whatever it was. Nice. That sounded amazing, and you saw a great game. Yeah, I think the game did go as expected. We hoped for a big game out of our running backs. We thought we could kind of control them on defense. Matt Moore uh, played well, uh, did all the simple things, which is what hurts us the most. Packers officially cannot contain tight ends. But mm. the Packers have hit the halfway mark of the season at 7-1 and one, and somehow Ooh. sit in a third seed because of the 49ers being undefeated and the Saints having a better conference record. So... Cannot complain. I I think we thought we would have a successful season. I think we thought this was a playoff team, but to be seven and one is absolutely ridiculous and some ginormous wins this first half. So let's start with this offense. They're currently ranked seventh in scoring, which jumped off the page to me when we were getting ready for this. That I, I mean, we've definitely improved. We've definitely put up some points these last couple of weeks, but to be seventh without Adams. Uh, without a receiving core kind of stepping up. The offensive line has had moments of struggle. But how much do we love our backfield right now? Oh, my goodness. Aaron Jones, MVP, MVP. <laughs> we legitimately have two guys that you know you can't really make a claim for Aaron Jones for MVP right now, but two guys that are becoming a top-tier talent in the league. Rodgers has already been there, and he's restaking his claim to it. And Aaron Jones has become, you know, if you look at social media, if you look at ESPN, they're putting Aaron Jones in the same categories now, the way he's performed this season with the Christian McCaffreys and the Alvin Kamaras, which is just mind-blowing because I remember saying on this podcast after about week three or four, Aaron Jones is not having the year we expected. So this offense is just clicking another 10 catches to running backs, seven to Aaron Jones and three to Jamal Williams. And it spreads out the defense in such a way that you can now open up the Jake Kumaros and the Alan Lazards for some easier passes because the linebackers have to respect running backs off towards the sidelines in those flat routes. It's so much fun to watch how creative they're getting with this offense. It's interesting you bring up Kamara because I, I the more I see Jones coming out of the backfield to make catches, I'm not saying he's at Kamara's level, but he's starting to form into this kind of poor man's version. I think Kamara definitely uh, is more explosive. His ability to break tackles is unreal. But Jones, who coming into the season wasn't a catching threat, if he works on that in the years to come, he could be absolutely dangerous and be that top three back we've always wanted. I, yeah, we've been able to do whatever we want without Adams. I mean, Rodgers is spreading the love. Lafleur is spreading the love with the play calls. Defenses don't know where the ball's going most of the time, besides when Aaron Jones is going off. Um, but we have a bunch of guys every week coming up with, you know, two to four catches, sometimes only one for 30 to 50 yards. Nothing fabulous, but it's 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 a great team win every week. Um, so it, it, it's good to see that we can spread the love so much and get everybody involved, even if they're not of great talent. How, how do these guys, how do both running backs just look so much faster this year? Like, it, you know, you, you can't play call a guy to look faster. 
Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams had a play where I remember looking over to my wife and being like, that was Aaron Jones. He looks so quick and he pops up and it was number 30 instead of yep. 33. I'm like, I holy smokes, thing. that was Jamal I had Williams. The same thing, yep. Is it a whole new strength and conditioning staff that's got these guys, you know, more juiced up halfway through the season? I don't, I don't get how they look so much faster this year. I, that could be one thing. I think they're just getting more space, so they're getting a chance to get up to speed. Uh, you know, especially Aaron Jones, how they're getting them spreading out to the furthest out wide receivers. So it, it's it's amazing to see. All you have to do is give them the ball, just like Tyreek Hill, just like, you know, any dynamic quick guy in the league. Just get him the ball and let him do the work. You know, why, why throw a 45-yard pass downfield when you can just give it to him and he'll run it for 70 yards? It, it gives me so much hope that, you know, if we came into the game as we were predicting the Chiefs score, right, or the final score for the Chiefs game, I had 31-18. You guys had, you know, 31-24 or something right around there, right? 31-23, I think one of you had. Yeah, I think uh, Josh and I were exactly right. Nobody look it up. I, I had yeah, it down. Nailed it. Exactly nailed right. it. Got it. <laughs> so, as you were predicting scores, if I said Geronimo Allison and MVS combine for two catches for 11 yards, let me repeat that. Combine <sighs> for two catches for 11 yards. Would you say, that, you know, we scored 31 points? So the the fact that they're mixing in the running backs, a little bit of tight ends, Alan Lazard we'll get into in a little bit. This offense has been so much fun to watch. It's just so refreshing compared to what we've seen the last couple of years. And you add in that we're getting Devontae Adams back. We're getting back a top five wide receiver. It it creates such a level of optimism that I'm afraid my heart's going to get broken when he comes back. And it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not world beating, you know, the greatest show on turf, you know, Rams circa 1990, whatever it was. Uh, but this offense has been so creative. I want to get into a couple play calls as we dive into it. Um, but super fun to watch. They're making Kumro and Lazard look like, you know, solid number two receivers somehow. Dan, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, did you see how they were lining up early in the, pretty much the whole first half? They're having the wide receivers super close to the line of scrimmage. They weren't spreading out mm -hmm. and spreading the defense out too much and doing routes that way. It was super interesting because they haven't done that too much this year. They have, you know, on and off, but they did it consistently in the first half. Did you did you recognize that? Yeah, I didn't catch it live. It's an interesting point, though. I want you know, trying to keep the defense compact to be able to get that running back in space. What was your take on that? I, I wasn't I didn't like it as much. I, I sort of was against it, but they scored both times they were doing it. So I, I can't hate on it too much. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> Lazard, we talked about this during the game. But does Alan Lazard not remind you of a quicker Equinemius St. Brown? He's got the same height. He's got similar straight line speed. But he's just quicker in his lateral movements, in and out of cuts, making guys miss. He, to me, in the last three games at least, he just looks like a quicker EQ. Yeah, watching him live, he might be our best route runner. I, I, mm. I I'm not really hesitant in saying that either. Um, and and Aaron well, Rodgers, well, well, over Devontae. <laughs> well, yeah, over I'm, Devante. yeah, not over Devontae, not over Devontae, just who was on the field. But and Aaron Rodgers, I was surprised live. He was looking at Lazard and Kumro way more than Valdez, Scantling, and Allison. I was very surprised how little he looked Allison's way all game. I mean, he was not looking his direction. Well, our, our number one receiver in snap count was Alan Lazard. He had more snaps than any receiver or running back. So he was on the field more than Aaron Jones even. I don't think that totally surprises me, though, because Aaron Rodgers has been very known of, if you produce for me, I will go back to you. 
I, I think it's just a method of there is a lot of games that Allison drop balls and whether he wants to admit it or not, Rogers is is very protective of if I'm going to give you the ball and you're dropping it, I'm moving on to the next guy. Lazard in these past couple games has done everything he possibly could to be successful and it's showing. Yep. Yep. And I, I got to go back to credit to Matt LaFleur. This offensive scheme has been so much fun to watch. So the the Aaron Jones, uh, Chris Collinsworth, first of all, on the Sunday night broadcast does a great job catching this stuff live. He's one of the better broadcasters for seeing it live and being able to come back and explain exactly what happened on the first replay. Uh, so the, the Aaron Jones, the second touchdown uh, to Josh, your credit, they had a, a lot of the personnel was in tight to the line of scrimmage, but they realized that it was man to man coverage. So Rogers sends Jones in motion to become the wide receiver on the left hand side of the screen. The linebacker follows him out because it's man to man coverage. And then they run a sluggo, which is just a football term for a slant route turned into a go route. Right. So you run a half a slant route and then you cut it up field. And it was just easy money. And as I saw Jones in motion towards the sideline with this linebacker on him. I'm already yelling at the TV, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. Like it was so simple. You could see it from a mile away, but the way they had schemed that play open, that was all play calling. Like obviously you got to have the right players to, to at the end of the day, make the connection, but that was play calling. We just schemed a guy wide open and made him look amazing. And then on his screen pass for a touchdown, they saw what they needed to see. He cuts into two perfect blocks, and he looks great again. It's so much fun to watch those plays just work. Yep. Uh, I, I called both those plays live, too. I literally mm-hmm. said to Blaine, yeah, I yeah. said, All right. Aaron, <laughs> sure. it's going to Aaron Jones, especially After the second that. one on the screen. I As soon as they put him out there, the linebacker was late getting out there. Rodgers saw right. it, snapped the ball quicker. And Jimmy Graham, give him credit, boys. He made a block and a good one for a 75-yard touchdown or however long it was. Uh, but he, he cleared the way for Aaron Jones on that linebacker that was late getting across. I mean, who the hell lines up a linebacker on Aaron Jones when you spread yeah. that far out? I mean, that is – do it do every that, time. If you're going to do that, you got to shade a safety over. But the, the other yeah. piece that maybe, Josh, you didn't see was that crucial third down where we're trying to wind down the clock at the end of the fourth quarter. We're coming out of a timeout, so you know Rodgers and LaFleur have sat there. Actually, as they went into the commercial break, you could see Rodgers and LaFleur talking about the different options they have. So, again, they start Aaron Jones at the furthest out wide receiver position. They have a motion inwards a little bit towards the slot receiver. Again, he's got a linebacker in man-to-man coverage, and they simply run a five-yard out route from where he started, which was pretty much shoulder-to-shoulder with the slot wide receiver, and he's going to beat him all day. And Collinsworth was calling this on the TV. He's just like, you cannot stop Aaron Jones in that route. And that's not something that is specific to Aaron Jones. If you have a pass-catching running back, you just can't stop that sort of stuff. So credit to LaFleur on these play calls. We haven't seen this as a Green Bay Packer fan, but guys like McCaffrey and Kamara and maybe Austin Eckler out in San Diego have been running this stuff already, and it's about time we brought it to Green Bay. Yeah, and Matt LaFleur on opening drive schemes are just are so awesome that we feel like we can start the game strong. So through eight weeks, Packers have five first drive touchdowns, all of which over 75 yards. And even against the Cowboys, after the first drive punt, it was a second and third drive touchdown. And the Lions, if you remember, it was a first drive punt, but then they were driving when Geronimo fumbled it. So you're looking at six touchdowns or six drives or opening games where we're in it right away. And and even that weird Lions game, they were, we were moving the ball. We were doing the right things, and it didn't work for us. So 
I also want to throw this out, and I'm surprised I haven't seen it more on, on social media. I am in the camp that Aaron Rodgers was throwing that ball away oh, and leaning back too far, and it just ended up being a short pass that Jamal was there. But the amount of people being like, this is the greatest thing. This rivals his Hail Marys. I'm like, it was a short throwaway that ended up working. Yeah, you know, it was so lucky. The, lucky the for sure. Here, so I was watching Golik and Wingo this morning, and they were talking. They were laughing like, oh, of course it was a throwaway. And I don't I don't disagree with that take. I, I don't think it's a take at all. I think he was throwing it away. But how many times have we seen a quarterback throw the ball so far away or to a terrible spot? We're like, just give your guy a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the beauty there is it was a throwaway, but he's also like, well, if I'm going to throw it away, I'll leave it where a guy has a chance. And it really – he even said this. I was looking for Jimmy Graham. He threw it a little too high, but he also left it. A ch- he left a chance for Jamal Williams, and he knows he he admitted. I saw him out of the corner of my eye. I don't think he knew who it was flashing out of the corner of his eye, but he's like, I had two guys going to the corner. I threw it up, and it, you, you know, know credit, credit to him for leaving it in play where only an offensive guy was going to be able to get it. You know, bringing up that play, what do we think of the offensive line play from this game? You know, we, we needed we to had, talk about that. Yeah. We, we had decent push, you know, for the run game. Uh, you know, I honestly think we should have ran the ball more uh, until the last drive. The last drive, we ran the ball seven times. Before that, it was the running backs 13 times for 59 yards, which is a 4.5 yard per carry average. But we only ran it 13 times before the final drive. Uh, which is a little surprising, but we did have some big plays, so it throws the numbers off a little bit. Um, the blitzing doesn't help, though. Kansas City yeah. was coming. It, with they eight. were coming. Two and, two linebackers at a time normally. It, it was had, intense. And you had both Balaga and Bakhtiari out. And uh, we can get this as well as the trade deadline thing. Light is not ready. He is not ready. It scares the bejesus out of me to think that he's kind of our backup guy for a lot of these roles because we talked about it. Blog and Bakhtiari is so important to this line. They're so underrated, and they're banged up. Like, I thought they were more healthy than they've kind of ever been going into the season, but then you realize, like, it seems like a struggle every game, and uh, I, I just worry that he's not ready, and if that's our guy that's going to be protecting Rodgers' backside on certain plays, oof. Yeah, but. In, in the game flow, you know, we ended up with 26 rushes. I know it was in the fourth quarter that we were rush dominant. It, it didn't feel like we weren't running enough. But in the second quarter specifically, they were sending linebackers. And LaFleur blamed it on communication at halftime in the halftime interview. He said they just got to get their communication right. That's the reason they're not picking it up. But it was concerning because that's not the first time they've seen five or six-man blitzes. And the the extra frustrating part on top of all that is they've highlighted a few plays where Danny Vitale flashed open on a, mm-hmm. a, half, a halfback angle, a fullback angle type route. Uh, specifically one where there was no safety over the top and Vitaly would have been running as far as he could run until he got caught by some faster guy. Um, but those linebacker blitzes were keeping Rodgers' eyes on the rush instead of downfield. And for the second quarter, boys, I mean, we had to be pretty nervous, right? That was garbage. And we're about to talk about the defense, so let's just transition into how bad we looked in the second quarter. Between the, the line and then the defense starting to give up yards to Matt Moore, I was fresh as a Wisconsin Badger and a Notre Dame fan. I was like, this is going to be the worst weekend of football I've watched in a long time. The one positive is they did control the run. So I think this is two out of three weeks we've been, I think there were 88 yards total for the Chiefs. Uh, Zadarius Smith, just every damn week. I, although I wish he would have 
it would have pushed him inside a little bit more because uh, I think he had his most success when he was doing that. But the inability to cover tight ends, the scary thought of we, – we joked about as long as uh, Kevin King isn't on Hill, and then there was multiple times they where it was just like, on oh, Hill. God. It was just gone. <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, that's not going to work. I, I just – we need takeaways, and luckily uh, Shady McCoy likes to throw his arms everywhere with the ball. So <laughs> – Thank Tyler you, uh, Lancaster. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, big white boy, for grabbing <laughs> that one. Uh, but the defense, it, it just it continues to be what we, we thought they are. They're going to give up yards. They're going to give up plays. They're going to find ways to get sacks and, and some kind of turnovers. And when they do, we somehow win it. But it's still disconcerting at the amount of struggles we have on a lot yeah. of different areas. You know, I, I had a hard time with this because I, I did predict Kansas City would succeed in the past game just because their playmakers are just so legit. But we, we kept them under control, you know, and that's all you can ask when you're dealing with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Melko, what's his name? Michael Hardman. Michael Hardman. Yeah. yeah. And Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, they have a list of guys that are faster than everyone on our defense. So to keep them under control like we did, I sort of give them a little credit, but I do where where my worry is, is our secondary. I, you know, cause I thought they were possibly one of our stronger points uh, earlier in the season because how much they were getting turnovers and, you know, shutting down teams. But now, you know, Kevin King has some massive red flags. Jair Alexander, he's trying to fix, you know, breaking on the, you know, the uh, comeback routes. So he's not he's not breaking as fast, but that's creating completions and there's more yardage in between. So, yeah, he's not breaking and missing a tackle, you know, and he gets there and they get eight yards, but he's giving up an eight yard completion. So they got to find an equilibrium of, you know, how far off, how much do I stay, you know, and I think they'll figure it out before the end of the year. But my, my biggest worry is our secondary right now. I 100% disagree with your take that the secondary is the biggest issue. If you compare that to the defensive line, and I guess I'm thinking interior linebackers, the pass rush has been pretty solid. But the the defensive scheme that you could tell by the end of the game, it's not comfortable to watch. It's actually quite nerve-wracking to watch. Mm-hmm. But Petten's strategy here was he's going to play soft coverage. No one's running past us. I'm going to rush just four guys, make sure I can still leave some safeties over the top of my man-to-man coverage. Uh, and I'm going to make sure that you don't get that 70-yard home run, which they didn't get against us, right? Their longest pass completion was for 30 yards, which for Kansas City, I think Blaine Howard would even agree with this. That's a short pass in the Kansas City offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the scheme is sound, but as a fan, it's hard to watch because you're watching a lot of completed passes. And what made it extra hard to watch was the inability to tackle. So Chandon Sullivan was in for 60% of snaps. That was a high for him. Tremont Williams was in for 90% of snaps, and we saw everybody miss tackles. Kevin King, they were attacking, like you said, Josh. He was doing his regular thing of missing tackles, but we saw Jair miss tackles, Amos miss tackles. Savage did not look great in his comeback game. The one thing that you have to take some consolence in is that, like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs playmakers are tough to tackle. They're probably the best in the league in uh, breaking tackles, and it, it makes it very hard to watch. But anytime you can keep these guys to less points than you scored, you have to just walk out of there, catch your breath, and you got a W. How many of those tackles did we feel like they were going for the fumble? 
Like the amount of times that they just look like they're punching at players instead of just wrapping up. That's the part that hurts me is mm. I think that our tackling can be significantly better, but it feels like they're going to try to get that loose ball every single time they tackle rather than just being like, you know what? They got the yards. I'm going to stop them here. It's crazy to me. Watching. You're, you're totally right. The, the first person that there has to just wrap up. It's fine if we go for the ball, but the first person that there is there that it, they can't go for the ball. And Dan, you brought up a great point. I think they missed 10 plus tackles on Sunday, uh, which is pretty insane. And and that was most of my, that was a lot of my uh, take on the corners is if you're going to play like that and not attack the wide receivers, like they have been and getting past deflections, then you better freaking tackle them when they catch the ball. Right. You just need to be sound. But do you guys see what I mean though? When I, when we talked about the chiefs preview podcast, we said all of this wide receiver motion that they put, they put into action pre-snap really can confuse the defense and make you think too much. And I, I'm wondering what that looked like live to you, Josh, but they had these wide receiver motions where Tyreek Hill crosses across the line of scrimmage and at the tight end, then he loops back around behind the quarterback. And you could see easily that he's making our defensive edge pass rush stop and look at him. And the frustrating part of that even was that it's not like Zadarius or Preston Smith or anyone else lining up at defensive end is going to catch up to Tyree kill if they wanted to pitch him the ball. So the fact that they're respecting it is like, I understand you're trying to play fundamentally sound, but you're not catching them anyways. So crash down on that line because they were still running their running backs right through gaps that our edge would have normally closed down on it. They, they confuse you a lot where you, they make the defense sit there and think too much. And I mean, my hypothesis is that that even makes you miss some tackles because you're, you're sitting there wondering where, where the other 10 guys on the field are. That's a great point. Live, you could see the defense every time somebody went in motion, the whole entire defense was talking to each other. So not that that's a bad thing, you know, because you have to talk to each other, but that's something extra that you have to do before the snap, you know, and you have, and you have to realign, you know, you have to realign in your head where your zone is. Am I still man? Am I deep zone now or short zone because he's on this side, you know, and that's a lot to think about, you know, when you're guarding these guys that run four fours uh, and, and they, they play so quick. Yeah, and you get the guys thinking too much, and then when it comes to just playing fundamentally sound and tackling someone, it becomes not top of mind because they've been processing so much. And I don't want to get into the mental part too much, but the motion that the Chiefs deployed, I think, helped out Matt Moore a ton because that would confuse so many defenses. Overall, I'm not impressed. I think this game was too close, and you know the Chiefs' playmakers are are a force to be reckoned with. We're lucky that Mahomes wasn't playing, but we got out of there with a W, and hopefully, don't hopefully we don't see him again. You know. I wanted to bring up one other thing. What they they lined up Hill and Kelsey in the you know slot multiple times, um, and we were never lined up over them. Or uh, we were sometimes, but um, there were a lot of times where nobody was even lined up over them, and they were playing like this uh, soft zone where the, where they played Hill or Kelsey in between the linebacker or safety and the corner, and they sort of just wedged him in there. I I did not like that game plan. I I mean, they they kept them under control. Like you said, they didn't give up any big plays, but I just don't, I don't feel comfortable with Hill and Kelsey having the ball in their hand and having a chance to make a big play. But, but, but like you said, like we just talked about, that's the whole game plan. So if you're a fantasy football owner for Tyree kill and he has six catches for 76 yards, you're like, what? Like where are his two or three touchdowns? Very true. Very true. Where's his 80 yard touchdown? We contain that. So it's very uncomfortable to watch. 
but at the end of the day, you just have to hope that your offense has more firepower than they do because you're containing. Yeah, very true. So we have officially passed the trade deadline and the Packers didn't do anything, which I think was always an option because uh, I'm, I'm just, cheering them on. Yeah, Good just seems like a guy that he's not going to, you know, go out and get something if he doesn't think that the value or, or the trade is, is reasonable. Uh, the amount of takes, I, I can't believe it was five straight weeks of wide receiver talk. Uh, they have gotten markedly better. Plus, another thing to remember, beyond the Adams coming back at some point, we haven't seen Ryan Grant yet. So if Lazard steps up, if the, the backfield and for, for as much as we trash him, the tight end unit between Mercedes and Graham have been there at least coming back to Rodgers to give him an option. But where – I'm kind of wondering is, is this team where they need to be? Did they need that one extra piece? And if it was, where where would it have gone? I'm going to say I'm okay that they didn't do anything. I'm, I'm actually quite comforted hearing about some of the potential trades supposedly that were coming out from Schefter and Ian Rappaport and these guys where you were giving up like a first and a third for a guy that still had a contract situation that you're going to have to flush out. I, I would like to see them have put together – and it, it's still possible with a free agent signing, but I'd like to see them shore up the middle of the defense on the D-line or the inside linebacker crew just with a, a known a known commodity, I should say, where a guy that he, – he doesn't need to be your tier one starter, but a guy that can provide some depth. And there's guys out there we've, we've chatted about them before. I'm glad they didn't go all in on a wide receiver. I think – we, we have a nice crew right now. We have a coaching staff and a GM that are younger that understand they're, they're trying to build something for the long term while still trying to make the last, you know, five plus or minus five years of Aaron Rodgers' career as successful as possible so they can make a name for themselves, right? So if they felt like the right opportunity was in front of them in the trade market, I think they would have taken it. They're, they want to make that splash. They want to win the Super Bowl. They're hungry young guys. They're not resting on their laurels. But I still think there's an opportunity to shore up the middle of the defense. And now let's talk about what they did do, though, right? They re-signed Tremont Smith because the return game is terrible. They're going to cut uh, Darius Shepard and hopefully sign him back to the practice squad. But what they're opening up here is a return of Ibrahim Campbell, who I think allows you to put Adrian Amos back at the deep safety role and let Savage and Ibrahim Campbell, Campbell excuse me, roam in the middle of the defense. And I, I I hope we, that's what we get to see. I think that's the guy returning off IR along with Jay Sternberger. And our trade pickups essentially are Devontae Adams coming back from injury, Jay Sternberger at tight end, and Ibrahim Campbell at safety. Yeah, you, you texted that earlier. I totally forgot Campbell's coming back. And that that's a perfect take. It gives Amos the chance to go back to do what he does best, right? He's been tackling great for us, but what he does best is cover the deep ball and keep keep the quarterback throwing the underneath passes and not going deep. Um, so that's a great take. But I I'm a little sad that we didn't get a wide receiver, even though you know that was the hot take, oh, you know, gosh, for everyone. No, so name 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 your name your guy. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, nope, I nope, I didn't want anybody except Emmanuel Sanders. So that's the only guy I wanted. Okay. But uh, what I do love and why I don't think they did it is because we have developed this passing game with two running backs that are legit threats. Uh, 
Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers are creating a chemistry that is probably going to be very special here pretty soon. Uh, you, you saw a little overthrows in the first couple times they lined Aaron Jones out, but now Aaron Rodgers is hitting him on the money. Uh, so just give him two yards, Aaron Jones, and Rodgers will hit you every time. Uh, and I think that's the reason why we didn't go for anybody on offense. Now, defense, I agree with Dan. We need some depth. Uh, you can see it. They're getting tired. Uh, you, they played a lot of these guys have played a lot of snaps early in the season. Um, they're spreading the wealth more now. Uh, but what's going to happen come week 15, 16? You know, how, how tired, how banged up are they going to be? Because the Smith brothers have been playing so much and they're really our only consistent. And pass Blake Martinez threat. is playing with a club on his hand. He's got a broken hand. Now. <laughs> I, I do like I do like what you said about hitting Aaron Jones on the money, because I don't know if you noticed live being in person, but on the sluggo route that he hit him for a touchdown, he hit him right in the eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> the exact same location he had dropped it. So watching it live, I'm like, oh, no, right in the eyes oh we got it okay <laughs> i i i just think we're a piece away from being a true super bowl team i i look at this team as being very very good but i would be i'd be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if you know round one or two of the playoffs we just lose a game where it's like yep we just we didn't have the depth and we, we ran out of gas but yeah you know it, it, it is what it is but i'd rather us be like you know what we're gonna go with who we have then, like you said, absolutely waste these upcoming years because if you can get this core back for this foreseeable future and with how much the play calling has grown and how much we have these veteran players that are stepping in and these young guys that are already performing, we're looking at prime opportunity that if we hit on first, second, and third round of next year's draft plus any free agent signings, this team could be absolutely loaded for the next three to four years. Yeah, I do agree with you, Ryan, real fast, just that the way the Patriots are chasing every possible wide receiver that is rumored to be available, the way the 49ers went and got Emmanuel Sanders, I can totally agree with the position that we're just one guy short. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that guy is, but if we had just gone and picked up one guy, I think the entire fan base would be saying, now we're running for a Super Bowl, right? They they made that one move that shows us you know, the front office is in on a Super Bowl run because they didn't make a move. It makes you feel like, ah, we're just that one guy short. Someone's going to go down in a wild card playoff game and we're not going to have a good backup and they're going to get exposed. Uh, but, you know, let's just see what happens against the 49ers because right now that looks like the cream of the crop in the NFC and we get to play them in a few weeks. Absolutely. So that will do it for this episode. We will catch you later this week as we talk about the Chargers. Thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Oh, yeah.